0: This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Age Changer show and we always like to restate the three primary purposes for which the Age Changer show and podcast exist and really the heart and soul of Summit Life Ministries. We desire to elevate the vision of the church, to see God's eternal perspective, and then see our identity within the framework of that eternal purpose. We also desire to equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, because we were born not for time, but we were born for eternity. And lastly, we desire to empower the church to live supernatural lives, God-sized lives in faith-filled obedience. And the only way that we're going to see a maturing and a developing of our faith, where it becomes a great faith that lives out great obedience unto God is if we're willing to get out of the boat and to allow God uh, to God-size our life and uh, we begin to tap into the supernatural and not just live uh, a natural life. God's calling us higher, calling us out to go upward, uh, to live out our sonship and our daughterhood before the Lord. Well, today we're going to launch a new series, and we are going to be talking about the ministry of the apostle and the prophets. And if you have your scriptures, I want you to go with me, first of all, to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to begin in chapter four. And as over the next few uh, episodes, we begin to teach on the ministry of the apostle and prophet, I know that this is a controversial subject. There are parts of the church that do not believe that apostles and prophets exist today. And there is a doctrine that emerged out of the Reformation uh, as a result of a lot of superstition that the Catholic Church had gotten into. And many of you that know church history, there were these places where people would have visions and there were relics and shrines and, and there was the claiming of miracles associated to certain bones of certain saints and certain relics and certain places where people were having visions. And then there would be these pilgrimages that would occur uh, within the framework of Christendom and people would travel from all over Christendom. To these places, some seeking miracles, some seeking a vision experience, uh, but also they felt like that was a way in which they could get closer to the Lord. In reaction to a lot of the superstition and the mysticism that was a part of the framework of the church at that time, there was a pushback on that type of superstition. And there was a doctrine that's called cessationism that was developed by a reformer by the name of John Calvin. And he uh, said that when the apostles passed away and then some people modified the doctrine of cessationism to say, no, it wasn't when the apostles died. It was when the canon of scripture was complete. We no longer needed gifts of the Holy Spirit. So any type of a gift, a manifestation, and a work of the Holy Spirit, an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, was no longer necessary. God endowed only the apostles to have these supernatural powers, or that as long as the Bible wasn't complete, there was the need for inspirational gifts like prophecy that could inspire and encourage the church. Well, this doctrine was prevalent in the church until um, around the beginning of the twentieth century, and many people begin to just say, "You know, the church is in need of such renewal." But also, men and women of God begin to study the Scripture, and they realize that this doctrine really did not have a scriptural foundation, that it that it was propped up more in a reaction to something instead of it being biblically informed. And so I personally believe the Bible teaches, not cessationism, but continuationism, that the Holy Spirit has been given to the church. He has been poured forth as the promise that Jesus or the Father gave Jesus to secure the heart of the church, to empower the church, uh, to where we wouldn't feel after Jesus ascended that we have been orphaned or abandoned. So the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, continues to secure us in the love of the Father, and we know that He is with us and that he is in us. But he is not a prisoner in our bones. The Holy Spirit is a person that wants to reveal himself in and through his church. He desires to empower the church. He desires to endow us with the grace that Christ came to give us so that the grace of Christ, the the power of Christ could be multiplied through his many-membered body so that we could not only be filled with the presence of Christ, but we would also be filled with the power of Christ himself so that we could partner with him to accomplish his mission. What What a distorted perspective to think that we could accomplish the mandate of the kingdom, the great commission, and to have intimacy in relationship with God to fulfill the great commandment, to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. As I've said before in other episodes, it takes God to love God. So the Holy Spirit has been poured out in my heart The Bible says the love of God has been poured out in my heart by and through the Holy Spirit and so that I can receive love, but also I can be empowered to love God in return, reciprocate that love back to him, but then also have a power to love the way Christ loves in the world in which we have been sent into to love the world like Christ loves the world. Jesus said, as the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. In the same way that the Father sent Jesus is the same way that we are being sent by Jesus into the world. How was Jesus sent by the Father? He was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized at his baptism, we know that the spirit of God came down upon him without measure. And and John the Baptist said that. I see that he carries, and that's why he's the the Messiah, the anointed one. He carries the spirit of God without measure. In the book of Acts, uh, Peter made this comment about Jesus. He said he went about doing good, healing the sick, Delivering those that were oppressed by the devil, because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and God was with him. So Jesus sent his church, but he said, I do not want you to go into the world and preach the gospel from Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth until you receive the promise that the Father has promised me. We know on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was born in the exact same power that Jesus carried upon his life and in his ministry uh, for three and a half years. That's why the church could preach the gospel, not with just the wisdom of men's words, winning a debate, intellectually having a sharp sword and winning the argument. Paul said, my coming to you was not with enticing words of men's wisdom. I wasn't a great philosopher. I wasn't just the great debater, but I came uh, preaching with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He said that it was the Holy Spirit that confirmed the word. And Mark says that. It said, God worked with the word and confirmed the word that they preached with signs following. I believe the church is in such anemic and critical condition in the West is because we've developed a form of Christian rationalism, a form of Christian intellectualism and as long as the world respected our arguments, as long as we were able to win the debate and we, would, we were winning the culture war, it seemed like uh, that approach was effective in continuing to uh, advance the cause of the gospel. Well, now we're living in a post-Christian culture. Truth is no longer respected. People, they view truth as relative, relative to their circumstances and the conditions. Uh, So it's your truth, and my truth, and what is your truth may not be my truth. So everybody is their own measuring stick for what they believe is true. What God is going to do in the last days for those that authentically will believe the gospel and and will walk worthy of the gospel. And a part of walking worthy of the gospel is not just in Christ-like character and in being in Christ-likeness. If we're truly like Christ, we will not only flow in the fruit of his life, which is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but we will also walk in dimensions of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why would the enemy love for the church to have a swing in its pendulum during the Reformation from believing that miracles still happen, that gifts of the Spirit are are still uh, at work in the church, why would the enemy want the church to overreact and, and say, no, there is no manifestation of the Spirit, there is no ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, there is no power of the Spirit that is necessary. We have the Bible and that's all we need. And I'm not minimizing the, the scripture because the scripture is the inspired word of God from beginning to end, Genesis, Revelation. I am a, a, a Bible man. I believe that God's word is true, every part of it, every word of it. But I also know that in the spiritual life, I need the word of God, the inspiration of scripture, to be the rule for my faith and practice, but the word of God informs my faith and practice. And the word of God tells me that the Holy Spirit is still, again, not a captive within my spirit, but he is wanting to express his life within the church. And clearly it tells us that the works of the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that the church has been given is still, there there was no expiration day for the Holy Spirit confirming what the word of God testifies to. There is no passage of scripture that tells us that these gifts and manifestations have ceased, and and some people would say, oh, there is one verse, and I can prove it to you. Well, we in this series are going to unpack that verse, and we're going to look at it, and we're going to see that the very context itself for that verse does not talk about when the Bible is complete, or when the, the apostles uh, have, have, have uh, gone to heaven, that's when all these things stop. We will see when the ministry of the Holy Spirit to empower the church and to equip the church and to enable the church is no longer necessary. And we'll look at the context of the verse. There is not one passage of scripture that says the Holy Spirit's ministry has not continued even up to this day. And and for those of us that have experienced uh, the the fullness of the spirit the baptism of the spirit the infilling of the spirit those of us that have appreciated and experienced things of the spirit of god when i hear people say that does not exist today or that shouldn't happen today it's like telling uh an an airplane pilot that he shouldn't be flying then that, that flight doesn't exist today uh it, it's like telling uh, you know somebody that has very specific skills and abilities and talents that their talent is no longer needed today. I think that borders on the ridiculous. Now, for a long time, we saw a receding of the, the, the uh, doctrine of cessationism, and more and more people were embracing uh, continuationism, the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, but there is a resurgence of cessationism And again, it is in reaction to misuse and abuse that we've seen happen in the charismatic movement among certain Pentecostal circles where there has been misuse or abuse, malpractice, spiritual malpractice. There are doctors that sometimes don't know what they're doing and they're sued for malpractice. That's why they have malpractice insurance. That's why we call it practicing medicine. Well, as we venture out in faith, we're being matured in faith, but we're not perfect. And there is this mindset that I think even spirit-filled believers can have, is that we should not become practitioners, stepping out in faith, into walking in the gifts of the Spirit, or the gifts that God has released to us, and we've discovered them, we're we're growing in our gifts. And, and, and many people just have a, a mindset that, listen, you should not uh, practice them. They should not be expressed. They should not be used until we're perfect. Well, that's really not possible. That's like telling a Christian not to try to, to practice Christ-likeness and to study the Bible until you know uh, or to to talk about the Bible until you know everything in the Bible. It, it's like telling uh, someone not to walk until they can be a perfect walker. Well, unless you attempt to walk and you may stumble and fall more than you walk, uh, you'll never become a walker. And so there are people that, you know, are false teachers. They are false prophets. They 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 have... Um, wrong motives and they have uh, distorted perspectives and they have deified their gift and and they, they have gotten off track. Yes, there's always those that are going to misuse and abuse, but I want you to hear this phrase. Misuse must never lead to disuse. Now, I was in a car accident when I was in my 20s and it was not a extreme car accident but it was a multiple car accident and uh, it was a chain reaction and it totaled my car. Thank God I was a little sore afterwards but no severe injuries. But that accident was somewhat traumatic nonetheless but it did not uh, keep me from getting back in the car. Why, because I could see how cars had improved my life. Being able to, to drive at a certain speed to close the, a distance in the shortest amount of time that is allowed, I wanna, I wanna include that, based on a certain speed limit is much better than walking. Now I could have said, hey, cars create wrecks, and people don't know how to drive. And, and their carelessness caused me to be in a wreck. Well, that didn't stop me from driving, did it? Because I've seen the productivity, I've seen the efficiency, I've seen the benefit of being able to drive. And I'm just trying to drive the point home that really we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater in many ways when it comes to the things of the Spirit of God when it comes to gifts of the Spirit. We've overreacted to any immature expression. Now, I know that there are teachers, and and what I want to say by using this example, is that I think that there is a false standard that we have for certain gifts, and then we have another standard for other gifts. No one in the church, including the cessationists, are saying that the Ministry of the teacher, the office of a teacher, the teaching ministry is something that has come to an end because most churches have pastors, teachers, elders. doesn't matter what you want to call them, but they are spiritual leaders that week to week or regularly, they minister the word of God and whether that's verse by verse or whether that is taking a section of scriptures and, and teaching a spiritual theme, no matter how their approach, uh, they they no matter what the approach that they have to teaching, uh, they are teaching and people readily receive from that gift. But you know what? Many teachers as they grow in their understanding of the word. Many of them would say, there are things that I taught in the beginning of my teaching ministry that I've, I now have learned more, grown more, and my perspective has changed, and I would like to reteach some of the things. Now, when they were wrong, when they first taught about maybe an immature perspective about a truth, were they a false teacher? No, false teachers are ones that have false motivations and wrong character, and yes, wrong doctrine, but it's about the consistency and the motivation when wrong doctrine, wrong motives, and wrong character marry together. And so just because somebody misses it with prophecy, we we have a totally different standard for those that minister in the gift of prophecy Then we do those that are teachers. We don't call call immature teachers, uh, young preachers, young teachers that are just beginning. We don't say, you gotta get it perfect before you ever preach your first message. Well, it's the same way with other gifts of the spirit. We may miss it because we only see in part and know in part. Well, we're going to, in the next episode, we wanna begin this teaching on the gifts of the spirit. We're gonna start with the Apostle and prophet, I'm sorry we didn't get to Ephesians 4 today, but hopefully in the next episode we will. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for the Age Changer Show. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.